Hello everybody, it's me, Producer Ross, and welcome to another edition of Game Day Extra Time, the show where fans have their say on their club. And today's episode is going to be a big one. It's going to be very heated, and I'm joined by the regular Game Day regulars. I've said regulars twice there, but whatever. This is going to be a big one. Um, so, let's get right into it. Let's introduce the first person joining me this week, and it is good old Matt, aka Vu from the UDU. He makes his return. How you been doing, my friends? I'm saying my friend once again. I'm sorry to all the listeners out there. I'm so sorry. Um, but yes, we're going to go firstly on the Shrewsbury, Shrewsbury, whatever you call them. Um, the game first. You know, we just about beat them. Just about. Um, and then we'll go on to the whole city defeat because, uh, yeah, a lot to talk about after that game. So, um, Matt, your first thoughts then on the Shrewsbury win. Hello again, my friends. Well... Shrewsbury, Shrewsbury, um, seems ages ago now, but it was only like a week ago because we've had some trauma in between, um, but I digress. Um, we were rubbish. I'm not going to roll a, a poo in glitter and insists it's it's lovely. Um, we were a load of old rubbish, really, and we didn't deserve to win. And yes, I wish I was there because I was there for Wimbledon last year when we scored in the last minute and the roof nearly came off. And I'm sure possibly that might have happened had we all been there. But yeah, we just never really got going, did we, Russ? No. And um, also joined by good old Brad. How you doing? Um, I didn't speak to you after the Shrewsbury-Shrewsbury game. Uh, that's the last time I'm going to say that, by the way. Um, but yeah, you're sum up that game for you before we get into the whole game. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, Ross. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, Pleasure. the Shrewsbury game um, was, for me, nearly as painful as the whole game. Um, I know we won the game, but we were absolutely diabolical. Um, relied on quality again throughout, which obviously isn't there now because all the quality is injured. Um, and it just dropped down and judged from the bots. Pretty poor shot of the keeper, Tame, but he's put it straight into Lamps' path and we've we've stolen it, like everyone's been saying. Um for me, the gripe is we're not when we're not lining up to face each individ, each game individually. Like he just he just keeps this same style, consistent formation, everything consistent. But we're not trying to um, basically um, show the opposition's, opposition's weaknesses. I mean, Shrewsbury had what four or five plus thirty-year-olds. One of them being Charlie Daniels, who's absolutely no legs anymore. So you sit down and judge right wing against him. It's it's just crap. Um, you you play each game, you prepare for each game, and um, you might have to play differently one game to win it. You might have to do things throughout the game. But all I'm seeing at the minute is just 90 minutes of banging your head against the wall, um, and certainly not throwing the ball across the opposition box, uh, flashing balls in, brilliant football. It's just absolute rubbish. It just keeps coming out of his mouth. Um, so, yeah, Shrewsbury game, Shrewsbury. I can't even say it. It was crap. <laughs> yes, and uh, I'm going to go to David next, the man who had to bleep for the first time in a game day video after the game. Thank you for that. But uh, how you been doing? And, uh, you know, I spoke to you after the game, but your time to reflect on that win. A late goal, but it was not a good game. Um. No, generally, I'm, I'm having a few rants, but you know that's me. Um, it's 
It was fantastic. It was amazing. It was brilliant. The possession was unbelievable. We just kept the ball, uh, didn't give them a sniff, and uh, the the seven minutes injury time was entirely deserved. Oh, no. Um, sorry. I was reading Lambert. That was bollocks. Absolute <laughs> rock of shit. We deserve to lose. Um, yeah. And it's been coming for ages. Shrewsbury should have won that. Um, I, there's, there's not much more to say, is there? Really? It was crap. Personnel crap. Formation was crap. Play was crap. No, de- no intensity. Nothing. Lambert's a deluded fool. Okay. Um, people who are listening, I'll, I'll, I'm going to try my best to you know, keep the mood up, but uh, this could be a very depressing listen. But uh, I think it's, um, as the boys did on the other podcast, it was a fever- uh, therapy session. This will also be a little group hug sort of session. Us, you know, have an AA and all that jazz. Um, I'm going to go up to next to the birthday boy on Saturday, um, who did see a win. So three points for your mate, but um, it wasn't a good game to watch. Um, good old Liam from crew. How you doing? And uh, your, your quick little recap of that game. Uh, feeling, feeling my age, <laughs> another year older. Um, but I mean, maybe it was just the fact that it was my birthday that they got a win. Um, because they didn't deserve it, uh, and play anywhere near to a performance you'd be expecting. Um, but the thing I said on Monday in the recap was you can take games like this in isolation sometimes and say that when you go behind. And you get a team that just sit in. It can be difficult to break them down, and it can be difficult, and you may not get the result that you you deserve. But the thing is, they didn't look like they were going to break them down. Town weren't battering on the door, and and that's that's the thing. They weren't battering on the door. And then if you think in ice, if you take the game, then overall. Um, and put it into perspective with the rest of the performances that we've seen so far, it was no better. It, well, it was much worse, but it was no better than some of the performances where Town have won games. And they've managed to win this game right at the end, but it, it was pretty much smash and grab right at the end. There. You just never, I, I, I never felt like they were really going to get a goal back. And then when they did, I didn't even feel that they were going they were going to win it. That last minute leading up to the, the winning goal, they were just knocking it around the back for another about a minute. And I know and I said this to you before the recap on Monday, Ross, but the fact is, is that unfortunately they got the goal and that's gonna kind of justify Lambert's approach of this possession football but for me watching it I was getting frustrated for that minute just before the goal because I was like we need to score we need to win the game now and we were still knocking it around the halfway line not looking like we were gonna gonna go forward and score so it was it was really really poor and I mean Shrewsbury didn't really create many chances but People have to remember that they could have had a couple of extra other penalties other than the one they had in that game. They could have been out of sight. So it was it was dire. Um, they got the win, and unfortunately, it it, it just um, carried on later on in the week. Yes, and I've got two more people to introduce. I want to go over to good old Thomas, Mister Game Day himself. Um, 
Some other depressing little things that happened in the Shrewsbury game, of course. We've got more injuries. Bishop and Nolan. That is uh, great. So, um, how you been doing? And, uh, yeah, your quick thoughts on the game. Yeah, okay. It's good to see Bono back joining us. Um, <laughs> but, um, okay, Matt, yeah. Yeah. But after, yeah, we've got on the back foot after penalty. It's another game where we've gone behind early on and we're struggling. You know, we've got to come back into the game again. It's just, it's happened too often and it's happened again on Tuesday. We'll come back to that. But you mentioned the injuries there. I kind of felt like the five subs will help us in the end because we had Bishop go off and Nolan go off early on. So if it was, if it was still done as a free sub rule, you know, we wouldn't have been able to make the subs that we did at the end, which, you know, it has effectively helped us get that result in my eyes. Um, but we were diabolical. Um, you know, it was it, it was rubbish. And it, this goes on to Tuesday as well, but he took Jackson off and brought Norwood on, but he didn't change formation. He just, we have no plan B. And like they said in the podcast today, um, or yesterday, sorry, it's how they train. It seems to be pass at the back, pass it to wings and then cross and just put it into an empty net. It's just, if that's what they're doing all the time, they're not going to know how to, well, they're the full players, so they should know, but it's not being bred into them how to change the game like they should know how to. And that's that's a big worry for me. And it's just it's just getting too too much of the same. It just seems too much possession. And yeah, um, we'll, we'll talk about the whole game later. It's, it's all it's all rubbish at, at the moment. And we were, we were quite lucky to get back into it as well. Such a fluke goal to concede um, from Shrewsbury's point of view. Definitely. And the final man to join us, I'm finally going to introduce him. It is good old John Watson. And he's the man who normally cheers me up on game days because he is probably normally the last person I speak to actually for game days. So uh, bringing his um, lovely accent and just his beautiful smile. Um, so this is a bit, a bit as me and John loving right now. Uh, but yes, John, how are you doing? Um, and yeah, your thoughts on the Shrewsbury game. It's great to see you. Uh, thanks for having me back on. Good to see all the lads. Um, I was so frustrated on Saturday. I, I think I said to you after the game that I've never been so unhappy at lose, uh, losing. It felt like I lost, didn't it? I've never been so happy at winning because we were shite. Absolute, utter shite. And I don't swear very often. We were really shite. Um, we On Thursday night, we talked massively about this mini little league of six important games and about setting our standards and how actually the whole game could be tricky if we wanted to believe that they're one of the better teams in the league and how the Charlton game was definitely against a form team. So we really needed to set our standard high and come out the blocks and get those three points against the three nil victories you all predicting um, um, against the easy team of Shrewsbury. And we were just shocking. We were, it was awful. Like, I agree with loads of what's been said. 68% possession, but with no impact. We, we fluke that uh, win. We did not deserve that. And it probably balances out over the season because we deserve to get more from games like arguably Lincoln, arguably Sunderland, etc., etc. So I'll take that. But we were awful. It was a terrible performance. Um, marred by Bishop's injury as well and Nolan's injury doesn't help the, the, the situation very much Jackson was so isolated and I know we'll get on to talk about um, um, my friend Paul Lambert um, um, later on um, but I, I also thought one of the worst things about 
the Saturday game was his bizarre comments in the interview with Brenner about McGavin. Because McGavin was arguably the brightest spark in the first half, not necessarily across the whole game, but he was okay. And there was more senior players, who I'm sure we'll name in, uh, in more detail later, um, who haven't performed for a number of weeks or arguably a number of months or years. Um, and uh, to pick on McGavin, I thought it was really unfair. His comments after the game, you know, got to be 100 times better and all that kind of stuff. I, I lost a lot of respect for the guy with his comments about um, McGavin, who I thought was one of the better players. And he's a young man making, what was his second full league start yeah. or something like that. So that that really was a clincher for me because I knew he was going to come out and say things about how much we were knocking on the door and how much we're re- really, really good, really, really good, how much we're really, really good. Um, yeah, you know, couldn't ask for more. I get that. Yes, he could ask for more. Try starting not asking for more from Alan Judge. I'll stop now. It's lovely to see you, Ross. Lovely to see you all you boys. I'm feeling really positive despite our football club. Yes. Um, so that was a, um, a very depressing 13 minutes talking about the Saturday game against Shrewsbury. But let's get into Tuesday night. That was a... Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, let's get into it. And uh, I want to go over to you first, John, because that is your dad's team he's a season to get older there so it was the battle of the watsons um and well he won but they didn't play very well and uh well we didn't play well at all either we lost 3-0 um of course another early goal but yeah of course we're going to go and talk about the whole game and then also lambert's comments and what's happened after that but um you can start this debate and conversation off about whole city so take it away my friend yeah I think we played better than we did against Shrewsbury, but we were playing a better side. We weren't very good, though. And Hull weren't all that, to be honest. I said that to you before. Last Thursday, I said, Hull aren't that special. They're on a bit of form. They can score some goals, but they're not that good. And I saw nothing in them that made me feel that they were a brilliant team and we'd just come up against a brilliant team at the wrong point. Um, We were awful again. Um, we, and as, as I said after the game on, on Tuesday we do have injuries and that's obviously a massive factor for any club but what injuries don't kind of um, help with is things like this team going in flow and all that kind of togetherness but it shouldn't change having a backbone it shouldn't change confidence it should be people trying to seize the opportunities um we our plan a is so obvious and not particularly effective if you if anybody has watched any of our games this season you can pick us apart because you know that the center halves are going to pass the ball a lot um and you are um going to have the Dizel or McGavin dropping deep and it's going to be easy to pick apart. We pass the ball and then we knock it back to Hawley and eventually it goes long to nobody. The strike is isolated. We don't play wingers in the wide positions. We play ineffective midfielders often uh, in those positions. The la- plan A isn't working. 
because it's not a very good plan or it's not been executed well or it's too stale and obvious, but there is no plan B um, at all. Um, apparently, Aston Villa, um, when Hull City beat Aston Villa, um, Paul Lambert was sacked. And I hope that was going to be some kind of omen. My dad got the bragging rights and, you know, he definitely, Hull deserved it. There was no... They weren't brilliant, but we got beaten at home by Hull City. So um, just not good enough from my point of view. You know, we talked about these six games being massive. Having performed so poorly against Shrewsbury, I wanted to see a reaction. I wanted to see it matter to the players. I wanted to see them come out and give everything. But to quote um, Paul Lammer, dear old dear, you know, what what was us? Where were our senior pros? Okay, let's talk about. I know Sears got injured, but he was doing nothing, and he's done very little for weeks. Alan Judge just <laughs> isn't good enough at the moment, and is really letting his high previous high standards of for other clubs just be. Uh, it's just distant memory. Um, Ward and Chambers were disappointing. They've been better than. Judging seers throughout the season, but they were not on it as much as they were. Um, and then Hughes, what has happened to that fella? You know, maybe I don't know because I don't get to as many games as you guys. I hadn't seen as much of a me Hughes because he's been injured most of the time. Um, but I, I didn't see some of his um, as many games um, when he was fit. But the bits I did see, I really liked, and he's a nothing player at the moment. Um, and I'm, I'm, that's really sad to say, but I bet between Sears, um, Hughes and Judge, we've probably got three of the four most highly paid players in our squad there. I would imagine Norwood's in there with a, as a fourth. Those three were re- uh, really disappointing. Um, and then your other two senior pl- players, uh, Ward and Chambers, weren't very good. You know, the fact that Josh Emmanuel and Callum Elder stood out for Hull City in their fullback roles, and we released them both for various reasons. Doesn't say much about us as a team at the moment. Um, I, I thought we were oh, so depressing. I think if a Hull City defeat had come at a different time, I might have accepted it. But coming straight on the back of the Shrewsbury game, dear old dear, dear old dear, Lambert. Um, I'm really getting fed up with his nonsense and his lack of tactical awareness and his stubbornness. I know we'll talk about tactics, I'm sure we will, but he's he's changed his handbook so much from last year that he's almost so rigid on this 4-3-3. And we haven't got the personnel to play it right now. So why stick with it? Why not mix it up a little bit? He's just so infuriating and... Did anybody enjoy that game? I said to one of my mates uh, um, on text late that night, this is what I do for fun. Watch Ipswich Town, my God. As if COVID's not as bad for the world. You know, try having COVID crisis around you and watching Ipswich Town at the moment. Jesus Christ. Come on, boys, we're better than this. We are so much better. And what I'm going to say is, if COVID suddenly got worse, and I pray to God it doesn't, and, you know, we can wax lyrical about that. Say the season finished right now. I've had my little calculator out. 
um, or my mental calculator anyway. And if we looked at the table now on points per game, would have uh, Hull on 30 because they've already played 14 games or whatever. Peter Brill would be above us on 28. Um, Lincoln would be above us. Charlton would be above us. Accrington would be above us because I think they've got a couple of games in hand. On, and if you went points per game, Lincoln would be above us. Sunderland and Portsmouth would be above us on goal difference. We would be in ninth. So anybody who's saying that, oh, it's okay, we're in the top six. No, if you level it off just the way the season was leveled off last year, we would be in ninth. Enough said. Utter shit. <laughs> well, John, thank you very much for that big speech. Um, I don't know if anybody's going to be able to top that. Um, I may go over to David because I think he could <laughs> top it. So, um, listeners, I'm so sorry for this depressing listen, but it's it's, it's you know it's a nice little February. Um, I can't even say February. Yeah, I can't even say it. Therapy session. Um, but yeah, David. Uh, I was I just going to correct after, you yeah. for saying it was February. I was going, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, of course, I spoke to you after the game and uh, a few more swear words came out for me to edit. Sure Thank you very much. <laughs> but yeah, you're, um, I'm sure you're going to echo a lot of what John said, but um, for your view, um, yeah, take it away. Um, yeah, well, I mean, yes, John, but it, I don't. I don't buy the injuries thing. What, I mean, we, we've got um, a, a huge squad. We've got a ridiculously bloated squad, and it's one of the things I want to mention later on about Lambert and the fact that he hasn't really fashioned his own squad. It, it's it, it's stagnant. It's, it's not the fact that it's stable. It's stagnant. But if you look across the back four, was broadly speaking, given the fact that KVY is sort of basically sort of a, a fixture somewhere else. Um, that back four, the centre pairing is what a lot of people have been wanting. Fullbacks, you can't argue with. Holy, you, know, you can argue about Cornell, but most people think that Holy should be the first choice. Hughes in the centre of midfield is a Welsh international who we were thrilled to sign, who should be somebody who in the, at this level is commanding and dominating games. Norwood is our key striker who should be banging goals away at this level. Um, Sears, I, I, he's scored goals in the championship. I mean, he's not a winger. I don't understand why anybody is look, looking at it and going, well, McCarthy played him out there, so let's, let's make him a winger. It, it's nonsense. But he's experienced. Judge, well, he's allegedly a footballer. He's allegedly experienced footballer. For some reason, he's managed to get some international caps, presumably because once upon a time he did actually use some form of brain. Um, and then you've got two youngsters in Lancaster who everybody was crying out to come have into the side. And McGavin, who had a decent game against Shrewsbury and I thought had a decent game against Hell. On the, on the, what you've got starting that game, you can't really say that's a weak side. It's not as if you've got people playing out of position. You're not playing people who you've never heard of and who are having to drag them in off the streets to, to sort of fill a space. It's not a bad side on paper. You look at that at the start and you go, OK, yeah. And it's not as if Dazelle last season or the season before was a key player. It's this season he's become that because he wasn't playing. So the injuries thing, I don't buy, personally. 
I think it's nonsense. You look at the players on that pitch and they should have been able to do a damn sight better than they did. Especially seeing as a big part of what they were doing wrong was absolutely fundamentally basic. I know that Lambert threw Lancaster under a bus because Lambert's a tosser, but it wasn't Lancaster gave the ball away for their third goal, by which time we'd given up. You know, it, it wasn't the fact that there was we were pushing and pushing and pushing and they caught course on the break like um, Sheffield Wednesday did a couple of years back in the relegation season. It wasn't something like that. We'd just given up. Lancaster gave the ball away. But how often was the ball given away? Cross-field balls, simple balls. Judge seemed to just have an aversion to passing it to anybody in a blue shirt. You know, and, and to, for Lambert to throw a youngster, relatively speaking, because he's not that young, but a younger player under the bus for, for what senior professionals are doing is just wrong. And that's the second time because there was McGavin in the and it's the same thing. We bypass, I can't remember who was mentioned tactics in the Shrewsbury game, about the way in which we're just going across the back, 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 down the wing. And there's no midfield. You've got McGavin drops really deep, and then there's nothing in front of it. Judge, I watched him, and I did a really foolish thing. I watched the whole game a second time. Um, really? Yes. Jesus. Um, <laughs> Brave. Carry on. Um, I did it. I did it because when I was watching, I was cross, um, and I was perhaps not looking at it. And I thought, well, okay, let, let's give it a second look with a dispassionate eye. And I was just as cross. Um, but it's, it's giving the ball away. It's the deep, deep passing. It's the lack of midfield, lack of urgency. And I had a discussion with some Hull fans who were deeply pissed off with Mick Mills because Mick Mills said that Hull weren't anything special, um, which they weren't. They didn't need to be, but they weren't anything special. What they were was hardworking and organised. And at the very least, you can have an off day. I mean, we, we've had several off seasons now. You can have an off day. But what I find really difficult to say is where the hard work was in our side. We weren't closing people down. The space they had, and they should have scored a fourth. Remember that lovely um, flick over the bar from six yards out? How he missed that, I don't know. But they should have had four. Shrewsbury before that should have had another couple of penalties. We should have conceded heavily in several of those games. And there's no hard work. There's no closing down. There's no urgency. There's no ability or no willingness to mix it up. It's like they're saying, OK, we've been told to do this, so we're going to do it. I suspect that Lambert's lost the dressing room. I thought it last week when Hughes um, gave his interview. And in that interview, he was asked, have you gone and had a word with Lambert about um, your lack of game time? And there was a great big long pause and he went, um, yeah, sort of. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I thought there's something more there. He, he's, he wants to say something and he's being very, very careful not to get put himself in trouble by slagging his boss off publicly. <clears throat> and that's what showed for me on against the whole game is that nobody with the exception of McGavin and Norwood were making the effort for the, for the manager. 
They weren't switching things up. They weren't closing things down. They weren't working hard. They were doing what they'd been told to do and nothing more. Pass across the back, keep possession, go down the wing, hope something comes off. And it's, the, it's what they've been trained for by rote and anybody who's a teacher who believes in rote learning is a twat um, because rote learning is nonsense and it destroys your love of learning. Rote training is going to destroy your love of the game. And that's what I see there is it's a side which don't love what they're doing in any way, shape or form. And I forgot to mention my favourite person, Judge. Because that absolute waste of space was besides the fact that he should be the one who's being picked on by his manager as a senior player. But he was variously. And this is one of the things I was looking for when I went back to it, because I thought, am I being unfair on him? Because I know he's fantastic. I know he's amazing. But he was at left back. He was at right back. He was all over the place. He was doing his headless, I'm a six-year-old, I need to be wherever the ball is thing. He was not holding his position in the centre of midfield. He wasn't contributing where he was needed. He was just going, right, the ball's over there. I'm going over there. And that's that's not, I mean, it, right. if somebody catch, catch, is on the break, you race back and you cover that space. But as a general rule, if you're a midfielder, you're, you're in midfield. You know what your role is. You play there. He's not got a free role when he's playing in the centre of midfield. It, it's nonsense, that one. Hull, yeah, they, they worked hard. I was impressed with Emmanuel. I wonder whether, as a young player, we would have kept him if Lambert had... Oh, it was Lambert, let him go. Um, yeah. And Honeyman. Honeyman epitomised what we weren't. Um, he ran and he ran and he ran, and he controlled that midfield by effort, not skill by effort and I was hugely impressed with him for that what really frustrates me is that there were little flashes of what we could be and this has been for years you go back to the Newcastle game you know when Hughes dominated you go why did we do that against Newcastle when we haven't done it all season it's there we can do it some of the passes that came through in little pockets there was a lovely through ball was it from Lancaster or McGavin for Norwood there were little bits like that. And there was another one down the um, wide on the right, which just put somebody through. But too often, it's Norwood running onto that wide because our inside forwards, stroke wingers, are somewhere they shouldn't be. And then you haven't got anybody in the box. And there are pockets, little flashes of what could be really good. And that's what frustrates me, is that you look at the players and if they were doing their job and they were working hard, there's the core of a good side there. And even watching that whole game, you can see little flashes of here and there of what could be. And that is what frustrates me so much. I don't mind if you're just a shit team and you work hard, but you're just shit and other teams are better than you. You can deal with that. It's when you've got the potential to be a decent side and you're playing like shit because you can't be asked. That pisses me off. Well, thank you for another big speech, John um, and David. <laughs> Um, uh, I have still got Brad, Thomas, Matt and Liam with me, by the way. They haven't just gone. I think they're all awake. Um, I want to go over to you, Brad, next. Um, you know, I'm sure you've got, you know, you agree with, you know, whatever, you know, David and John has said. Um, there was three strikers on the bench, which uh, went back to the Mick McCarthy days of having all the strikers and bring them all on at once, playing four strikers. But, uh, yeah, your thoughts on this game and, uh, you got any little positives out of it, or is it very much negatives? Well, that first bit you mentioned, I'm glad you mentioned it, because I've forgotten about that, and I'm glad you did, because 
Um, what's the point of having three strikers on the bench if only one of them can come on in one position? True. Um, they can't all come on the pitch because they're they're all just got to come in that central role. I suppose Jackson did, <laughs> but then we were told that he was still doing the winner's role and not actually being Caden Jackson. So, um, my positives, I don't know if there is any. I mean, okay, I can defend I can defend him slightly where the midfield three is by no means ever, ever, ever going to be his first choice midfield if everyone was fit. Um, I can defend him there, but I don't know if I can really go beyond that because... Uh, I tried. I, I, I tried. Yeah. <laughs> I um, I completely agree with what David and John are saying, and also what Mick Mills is saying. Where we have this four-three-three, and two midfielders have to work together. Like what? Like there has to be has to be two defensive or one sitting, two in front. They have to be tighter together. And the space that was in that midfield first half was just enormous. Like, how how far Judge was away from McGavin? How far Hughes was away from McGavin? How far Hughes was away from Judge? They don't work as a midfield three. You don't really see any neat interplay between them, do you? Um, I don't think I've actually really seen any neat interplay between midfield all season. Um, it's normally been a Dizelle through ball or Bishop dribbling through and then picking one out from 25 yards. So, I don't really see this midfield three has worked at all. The, the only way which we dominate midfield is right at the very base of it with McGavin passing between his centre-halves. Um, I'll go on to the players individually. I think McGuinness is having a tough time with it, isn't he? Um, I think that he came in, um, came into the side and had a couple of little early errors which um, just knocked his confidence and it just seems to have gone from there. He seems to give, give penalties away. Um, so my first gripe is I wanted Mark McGuinness to be head and shoulders above Corey and Dava, but he is not. And for me, that's one who's blocking a pathway of a potential a left-sided centre-half. We would add balance to the Israel Sound side. Yes, he may not be quite there defensively, Corey, but could he have done much worse than give, was it, three penalties away now and generally not playing very well? Um, I think Chambers and Ward were obviously quiet. They didn't even defend necessarily very well when they're both 35 and you'd expect better from them. Uh, midfield, I've already touched on. Bennett's, I felt, got a, a, bit, of, a bit of stick from... I, mean, I, I listened to Stu and Andy's today and they were saying how much stick Lambert was given then. That goes on to the point then again where David was saying how senior pros were exempt and how these players who come into the side are chucked under the bus. Now, for me, Bennett was trying to make something happen. Yes, it seemed as though the ball needed to be perfectly set on the surface for him to do something, or he'd shake it. Um, but at least he was trying. I felt like Keenan Bennett was trying. Um, so, and the, the player on the other uh, Sears went to, well, I mean, let's talk about Sears a better. But um, players like Ben, like your Bennett, who was trying to make something happen, um, you could then go and argue, well, who else do we have who tries to make something happen? Who is one of our own? Who is, who well, was on the bus to Bristol um, on a six-hour journey the other day? Armando Dobra. So how far is the drop-off between Armando Dobra and Bennett? I'm not so sure. You look at an Arsenal Loney and a Borussia Mitch and Gladbach Loney, you expect them to be head and shoulders above Endarba and Dobra, but they're simply not. And 
Brighton came in with a bid last year. Um, Dobra's now being punished for saying he wants to stay here and fight for his place. Um, I feel like if we did get somebody in new, they'd just come into that side and watch him in training and just think, how is this bloke not in the, not in the 18? And how you can have three striders on the bench. Drinnen, uh, right, tell me, Dry in then. what world Drinnen is going to come to that football pitch Tuesday night? What world? Because if, if, you get, if Norwood gets injured, either Jackson or Hawkins comes on, and if the winners get injured, either Jackson or Hawkins comes on. There is absolutely no way in any world Aaron Drinnen, Drinnen would have came on that pitch. So that was an absolute head... Yeah, whatever. Um, well so I'll, I'll go on to Hal. Hal were organised. Um, came for the came and did a job, as Shrewsbury did the game before, but Hull did it better because they are better. Um, I feel like Hull probably have a better squad on paper than us, so that's where I can defend again and say, yes, the injuries played a massive part because I don't think who's McGavin and um, Judge are anywhere near the, the level of Honeyman, Smallwood and uh, the other chap they had in there. Normally it's, normally it's Batty, and Batty's a very good player, but he didn't play for some reason. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, like I say, you prepare differently for different games. This whole game, we knew they were going to be tough. They knew, we knew the threat they had. But we just seem to just play the same game all the time, like I've already said in this podcast, and just to seem to have the arrogance to keep playing it and not change at all. I mean, it's just so arrogant to say, right, we're going to play this way for every single team and we're going to win games. Well, I mean, the proof is in the pudding land, but you're not. It's... Six defeats in nine. Um, it's not getting any better. I'm sure we'll come on to Lambert in more detail in a bit. But um, in a game where you really want us to try and stand up and um, try and lay a marker down on the division, yet again, we're back to where we were again, what we were saying last season. So that's my take on it. Um, go on. <laughs> go on, the other guys. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much, Brad. And I want to go over to you, Thomas, next. Um, you know, I'm sure if we were at the ground, there'd been a lot of booze at the full-time whistle um, because it was not a good night under lights at Porton Road on a Tuesday. Normally, we look forward to that, don't we? You know, Tuesday night under lights. It was going to be cold because it's November, but yeah, it wasn't a game to warm us up because it was not good. Um, yeah, you're going to echo, of course, everyone else's thoughts, but your take on it. Yeah, uh, I said it with Shrewsbury as well, but it's straight away, it's another early goal we've let in. We're on the back foot once again. It's how many times we've said that this season now. Um, that we just put ourselves under so much pressure right at the beginning. Give them, a, give them a great start and then all of a sudden we just got to get back into the game and just make it harder for ourselves more than we need to. Um, obviously, yeah, Hull, Hull are decent. We look better than what we did on Saturday, but we were still quite dreadful. We had, yeah, we had decent spells, but we most of the time, we didn't really do much with it. Um, Norwood, he was our bright spark on on uh, Tuesday. Um, McGavin as well was probably you know, our second best player as well. But we just the teams didn't perform. Um, Judge was just passing it to whole players. You might as well put on a Tiger shirt. Um, the amount of times he gifted them the ball, it was just just how he gets in that squad. I don't know, but unfortunately, because we've got so many injuries, he'll be in there again Saturday, and you just. You can't push him out at the moment when he should be. He shouldn't be on that top that starting squad. No way should he. But it's just his name and his the previous that he's got and just the injuries. He just he'll be there. And again, it just it could potentially cost us. Um, I felt that with the second goal, 
no one no one dare mention this because he's in our top ten appearances now. But Chambers is at fault. The marking for that goal. He just he's nowhere near him and he's let him get through and they put it in the back of net and all of a sudden we're two 0 down, half time, got a lot of work to do for the second half. Um yeah, we perhaps potentially shouldn't have let, let the player get the cross in, but you know, you shouldn't be marking like that for an experienced head of his, you know, the amount of games he's played, he should know how to mark as a defender. And he's let him get through and let's say we're two 0 down. So this already been said with um, Lambert's taken taken out on the younger players when he doesn't need to. It's not right. But the senior players need to need to start being have a go at it as well because they're not performing. Like it's already said, Chambers, Ward, they were off it on on Tuesday. Uh, Judge was dreadful. Freddie is injured now anyway, but he hasn't been his best for a while. Arguably, he's on the wing, so it's it's not his position anyway. But it's even so, you know, he's a he has been a championship player and he should be performing better. And obviously, who's as well who just hasn't started part of the season at all. So, it's, it's all these reasons as just why we're just performing so badly. I don't think we're playing for Lambert. Um, and uh, Josh Emmanuel will come back, Portman Road. I think he had a bit of a reaction from the fans if they were there. But he's proved that if you get very consistently and have a good run of games, like he did at Rotherham when he was loaned out under Hurst, he is a decent right back for this league. And he showed us what a right back is, and potentially he could have been a good replacement for KBY if he was still here and you know under KBY's injury. It's to let him go like like we did. It's just I don't know. We we've let too many players go, and he's just another example for me that I'm going to have a better career elsewhere because he's getting played, developing, and he'll he'll make a name for himself there. So, and you know if he gets promoted, that's championship football for him. And you know, it's um, it's a, you know, it just shows what playing consistently will go because you know damn well that what, as soon as Bazell's back, Nolan's fit, Bishop's fit, McGavin will be push, pushed aside again. He's not going to play regularly. We've already seen it with Dobra. He's playing on twenty threes when potentially he's being pushed out of the side by a by a Loney, um, who isn't our player. Yeah, okay, he's he he did look, he did try on um, Tuesday, uh, Bennett's, but. Even so, Dobra's our player, and we should be investing in him, but we don't. And then look what happens when they leave. This shows us what why they should have been playing. It's it's happened too many times under our managers recently, and it's just it's just beginning a joke, to be honest. But the bit that annoyed me, apart from Hull, you know, they did they did they did their job. It's the fact what Lambert said afterwards. You know how we're apparently not good enough to play four four two. Yet last season he chopped and changed it so much. We started with a four four two last season. We were getting runner results. We were went top of the league with that formation. Yet this season, when we're calling out for it, just something a little change. We haven't. We've asked for the rotation to stop stuff like that. But at the same time, we still there's times where you need to change the game, and that game was calling for a four four two. Definitely Norwood and Jackson up front, but he doesn't do it. And for me, it's just the fact that he's obviously doing it out of spite because he knows that last year. We were moaning so much about how much he was rotating and everything. But this year, he's just showing us that, you know, if that's what you want, then we'll do it that way. And but it's not working. And it's the fact that he's obviously in training, they're drilling it out in them. It's the 4 3 3, pass it out of the back, dominate. But teams are working out now that we're just passing around the back. There's no point pressure at us because they'll get the ball eventually and then they can counter. It's 
it's all too often happened. It happened with Hull, it's happened with Shrewsbury. It'll happen on Saturday, no doubt. So, yeah, that was the, like the biggest annoyance for me. Um, I won't talk about Lambert too much at the moment because I know we're going to go on to him in a bit, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely... I will just say that I've never really, recently, I've never been much of a, like, get rid of your manager so quickly as I have under Lambert. I think the last time was under Jewel. He's the last time I really, really, really wanted him out. But now, I'm at that stage now, Lambert, he's got to go. Time for him to go. But I'll leave that there for now. <laughs> now, I want to go to a man who I actually watched the game with via Skype. Um, you know, we did a bit of a watch-along. Him up in Scotland, me in Kesgrave. And um, he dared to predict a 1-0 win. Well, uh, mm. yeah, mate, it wasn't it wasn't that at all. Uh, but yeah, your quick <laughs> little recap of the game and uh, I'm sure you're going to echo as anyone else has on the game, but um, your own little points to add. Um, egg on the face to start with. Um, <laughs> being naive, um, I just thought that one game, one game to make a statement and the injuries, the injuries don't help. But I echo what David said, that the team should still be good enough to compete with Hull. And I've not seen a team in this division where I've looked at them and go, oh, that that they are outstanding. In fact, the only team that I could say that I was really impressed with were my hometown boys and they're not going to win the league <laughs> they're not going to get anywhere near to winning the league or being in the playoffs they'll just be happy to sit in mid-table but the way that they played football where they all look confident on the ball knocking it around quickly creating chances it, it was really entertaining to watch if you're a crew fan and not um and not obviously an Ipswich fan I, I'm just finding it stale, really, really stale at the moment. But this, this system, this, it's not necessarily just the system, it's the tempo. This whole kind of, I mean, the system doesn't work because the play, we haven't got the players to play it properly. But it's, it's the tempo, just it's so slow. And the, the thing for me is, is that, when I want to watch a game of football, I want to see an entertaining game. Now, obviously, in an ideal world, I don't want someone to score against my team. I want the, the defence to keep a clean sheet. It'd be good. But as long as our forward line are creating chances and it's entertaining, then I don't mind if we give away chances. Um, to opposition teams, as long as we look like we're creating loads and, and playing really attractively as well. Now, I mean, it does come back to this whole question about would you rather just want to see your team win or do you want to see them win with a bit of style? And some, a lot of people, it, it's a really difficult question because you will have teams that are winning games but are winning so boring that you get some. You look at it at Tottenham at the moment. They've all changed their tune about Jose Mourinho. But at the beginning, last season, Spurs were were creating very few chances, winning the games that they needed to win, but 
now and again losing games or dropping points against them because they didn't take those very few chances they create. And and Spurs fans were all calling, oh, it's the end of our club after the, the really, really attractive era of Pochettino. It was like, we're, we're really, um, we want Mourinho out. This is, we've lost our club. And, and this, is, this is what is going on at Ipswich right now. Is that, okay, they didn't have someone before Lambert who was really, really attractive. But the fact of the matter is, is that the football, the thing that worries me about Lambert is, is that it always worried me that his lack of being able to change anything. I, I, I thought last season his substitutions were really, were really, well, they were right at the end of the game and made no impact. And then when tactically he needs to make changes, he doesn't do it. He just sticks to the one formation. We, we, like what Brad said. Brad said about about last season about the the changing of the formations, and now this season we're stocking one, and we're not we're not moving. But it should be fluid. It should be on a game by game basis. And like what the boys said in the pods, uh, in the main pod, that. A goal early on changes the complexion of the game straight away. And you have to react to that. And, OK, I'm not suggesting that he suddenly changes it to 4-4-2 after two minutes. But you could see it was not going anywhere and there was no change. And, frankly, like what everyone else has said, Hull City were no better than anyone else I've seen in this league. But they were... They, they were like what town was like at Blackpool. I mean, if we're honest about the Blackpool game, how many chances, apart from the goals that town scored, how many more chances were created in that game? They were just clinical, and they took them. And it was a really big win, and everyone was raving about it. But if you look at it, there weren't a huge amount of, a huge amount of chances in that game. And Hull City were exactly the same on Tuesday night. They didn't create a huge amount, but they were clinical. And that was all they needed to do to beat Tan. And that is the miserable truth. They just had to do that. That They knew they could turn up. And as long as they, they, they were clinical and took their chances, they would beat Town. Because for me, Town at the moment need to create almost 20 chances a game just to score one goal. Because it looks like at the moment the amount of chances that they create in a game on average, they don't look like they're going to get a game. And frankly, uh, it was the most disappointing aspect is is that after Shrewsbury, where it was a terrible performance, I mean, someone made reference to the Hughes interview afterwards and, and made the point about his chat with Lambert and maybe he's lost the dressing room stuff. but. Hughes was asked about about this whole ideal about trying to get a win against a big side. And um, he said, oh, no, I don't think that it is a psychological issue. Um, I'm, I'm sure that we, we, we will come out and put in a decent performance against Hull. You, you, we, we will improve. We, we, we got away with one basically on Saturday, but we will improve. And they didn't. <laughs> 
against a team that they knew they had to improve, they didn't. And they were beaten by a side who would take those chances. And frankly, that is one of the reasons why I don't think that uh, Lambert, and I've said this for a while now, I don't think he's the man, even if Town somehow stumble up into the championship somehow, uh, which is not looking very, very likely at the moment. I just don't think long-term in this five-year contract that he's going to do anything if Town do get promoted. So it was it was bollocks, bollocks night. Um, and, well, I'll be honest, I'll talk about it a bit later, but I don't think it's going to be much better against Charlton. All right, thanks for that. Um, so, Matt, you're the final person to ask about the whole game. Um I know you were working, so you weren't able to watch the game. So you're lucky, lucky man for not watching it. But um, um, for what you've heard, um, what you've read and everything, uh, your quick little thoughts on the game, um, I'm sure you can add a few little bits. Well, I watched it back. Um, it just seems that we were playing like a team of strangers, really, that didn't really have a plan. Um no plan A, let alone plan B. Um, the frustrating thing for me is that the team on paper looks fairly decent. And I bet there's probably about 12 or 13 clubs in our division that would love to have, you know, the resources that we have. Um, let's not pretend about pedigree and things like that, because I, that really doesn't matter at the moment, because we need to live in 2020 and not 1981 um, or 1978, for example. Um, too many passengers, not enough awareness, um, people just thrown in. I mean, I've just been looking at Paul Lambert's stats. I'm not going to reel them off. I'm going to try and keep it specific to to the whole game. But the midfield just didn't work. Um, McGuinness just looks like his heart is just, just gone. I mean, he looks absolutely fantastic um, for the Arsenal Um under 21s um, against us. Holy is starting to look a little bit more composed, a little bit more confident. His his distribution is getting a little bit better. But then again, when as as as, as a former goalkeeper myself, you've just got to you just got to look at what he's told to do. He either hoofs it long for us to instantly lose possession and lose it in the air because we've really got nobody in the final third to to win the game, or to roll it out to the centre backs. Um, I've seen some heat maps on Twitter for the last few games. Our possession, our stats, um, you know, David's a football manager man. I'm a football manager man. Those stats look absolutely blinding. Nearly 70% possession is great. But you've got to you've got to know what you're going to do with the ball when you get it. And we just look so stifled and so strangled. Um, we've just got no outlet. So whoever's playing that kind of role however we I mean I think Radio Suffolk call it the quarterback position it's not quarterback because in an American football they know what to do with it um so whoever gets that ball in front of defense they're never looking forwards and when we do get it forwards the frustrating thing for me and you know I, I scare our new rescue dog bless her she's a greyhound she's fantastic I think she would do quite well on our wing better than Freddie Sears anyway as soon as we get the ball in the final third we pass it backwards and then, oh, it's back to Thomas Holy. And, oh, let's kick it long again. Oh, we've lost possession. It's, I just, oh, it's so frustrating. I mean, a lot of the guys have spoken about Judge, shouldn't be anywhere near the team. Sears, he's gone. 
Hughes, I see Hughes quite a lot at the railway station in Ipswich. Always a bit concerned when I see him absolutely covered in kinesiatic tape running up and down the big bridge at Ipswich railway station. Um, oh, I don't know. I, I don't think I don't think things are going to change, even if we do uh, sack a manager who is a year into a five-year deal, who's three games away from taking charge of his 100th game um, in charge. So. I think I've said my bit. We'll move on. Yes, we'll move on from the whole game and never talk about it again. Um, I'm sure we'll have another <laughs> conversation uh, of uh, another defeat, probably. So we'll, we'll get into that. But uh, yeah, uh, we were going to do this. Yes, yes. Um, we were going to do this a few weeks ago, talking about tactics and formation and the system. But um, some other things came up. So we put it on the back burner. But it's here now. And um, it was a big talking point on Tuesday, uh, tactics and system. And, of course, Lambert coming out and saying, because uh, he was asked about playing two up front, he said, we're useless playing two up front. Last season, we played two up front. Norwood Jackson scored 11 goal each. You know, Jackson's got loads of assists. It's, yeah, it's, um, it's bonkers, as Mick McCarthy used to say. Uh, I want to go over to Brad first, because I know he's the man to sort of talk about tactics. I know he wants to talk about it. So, um Let's go over to you, um, Brad, and uh, take it away for the first little points, and then I'll go across the room, get everyone's take on everything. Yeah, so I will go through um, Lambert's tactical genius of his two years in charge of town. So he comes in, and pretty much instantly, we start playing a 4-3-3. The centre-half split at the Redden game. Um, I wasn't there, but uh, I think everyone was pretty much saying, God, Look at the sudden change of this manager coming in. We're just suddenly playing this way. We're playing nice football. Everyone's getting and buying into it. Um, and because we didn't come away from a win there, um, I felt like we should have done. Same in the Preston game, his first one. But we we start in his manner of playing 4-3-3. Everyone looks up for it. Everyone, everyone um, is playing for each other, working hard. Um, a lot of passion was shown. And you're thinking, OK, let's see what this takes us. Um, got to towards Christmas time, and I was almost of the acceptance of we probably will go down, but it looks like we're building something here. It looks like we're building a, a style, um, a formation, an identity, um, and ways to play it. And then January hits, and I think something must have been said between Lambert and Evans, or maybe the sheer panic of Lambert, who doesn't apparently feel any pressure, kicked in, and he suddenly bought Keane, Twainer, and Collins in who are all short-term stopgap signings to... Well, OK, Keane signed, didn't he, the year after, but to try to stay in the Championship. So then that suddenly goes to 4 2 3 one. Keane playing in a 10-roll, um, Twainer up top on his own, and a lot, lot more direct. Um, you didn't really see the centre-half splitting from that point on. Um, it was pretty much just trying to gamble on anything you could. Um, and then we get towards the end of the season... And we've just gone down with a whimper. Nothing really built. So we hope we go into next season and hopefully try and build something. We start our pre-season games in Germany, I believe, playing a 4-3-3. Um, to which, I don't know how it happened, but Norwood and Jackson played in that Colchester game in a 4-4-2 and scored five between them. We then stay in a 4-4-2. Um, the 4-4-2 apparently we're hopeless in. We um, are top of the lead by some way up until about... Um, October, November. Um, then formation bingo happens because 4-4-2 isn't working. 
Personally, I don't like 4-4-2 because I do like Ipswich Town to dominate the ball, dominate the midfield. Um, and in a 4-4-2, it did literally become, as we've been saying about other teams, turn up, do a job, go home. And if that doesn't work, if, if you don't do the job, you're then left thinking, well, that was crap. So I do, firstly, I do want the formation that we're playing to work, but there's so many different ways. 4 3 is not set. 4 3 3 is a formation, but you can play that three or four different ways. You play to each player's strengths. Anyway, I'll go on. So we come from um, 4 3 3 of this season, and um, we're starting to look good. Uh, not, not look good, but look organised. Um, Bristol Rovers early games, not only are we playing decent football with Dizel on the pivot, but players are running in behind. Um, which I think was really key in the early success of this, is how you'd have your pivot uh, come and get the ball, nice sort of play in between, and then bang, the ball would go in behind. And like a, a perfect example was um, when Enciada played drilling in behind, squared the Sears, and we scored. I think that was the first game. And you thought, okay, things could be good here. We're organised, um, playing this 4 3 3 quite well and different ways of playing it. Um, we then get to the Blackpool game where we peak massively. And that, uh, then again, um, I think that was a case of hitting Dwayne in behind on the break. Um, you're playing nice sort of little stuff and then bang up the tempo. Um, and then you get past that and it just all suddenly goes downhill. Yeah, we start to get injuries. But if everyone knows their clear roles in the side, then the person to step into that and fulfil that role. Okay, he won't be able to do it to the best of the ability of the other person, but he should be able to get somewhere near to what the player was doing. Um, so we're now left with the case of we only play one way with one pattern of play. We don't play to anyone's strengths. When Jackson is playing, we may play him behind, behind twice the whole game. Um, when Hawkins is playing, I don't actually sit up to him. I feel like if, if you're going to put Hawkins on the pitch, play to his strengths, you either get it into his feet, let him hold the ball up, or you put numerous, numerous crosses into the box. Because 4-3-3 doesn't have to be this just set way of playing. Like, it just baffled me listening to Stu and Ali today, how they're playing. I remember seeing a video, um, very start of Lambert's tenure. It's a bit of a, everyone just thought they were taking the piss for the club, because they put up this video of them storing a goal into an empty net. It went down the wing, into the box and into an empty net. And I think a lot of other clubs' fans tweeted us saying, what the hell is that? <laughs> um, so this is where we're left. I, I work with a lot of Norwich fans. I live in North Suffolk. They've always come to me and said, he's done nothing since Carverhouse. Carverhouse was everything to him. Ian Carverhouse, now of Kings Lynn. He was the mastermind behind the coaching and the game plan. Lambert was your motivator. Well, that is now clearer more than ever. Um, you have a manager who looks to me like he doesn't know how to coach or organise a team or change a game during the game. Um, Mick, I mean, how many games did Mick McCarthy win us by changing a game in the 60th, 70th minute? Um, just by a subtle player coming on on the right wing, just to knock it up to, just to head it on, just to get a ball in the box and score. Um, I, I look at a man who's two years into his job, who is has the experience of, what, 15 years management? And you could compare that to a rookie manager. It's something I'd expect, say, Kieran Dyer. 
coming in and still finding his feet after two years and still trying to lay down a system and a way of playing. No, you should be having a manager here who has a way of playing, who's coming to this football club, like we all saw at the start, um, and follow that through. But his head's completely gone. The players' heads have gone with it because they don't know, well, yeah, they're now stuck to this formation, which can see this not working. So they're still playing through it. And I give you names now like Paul Cook. If he came into this football club, I guarantee you we would line up 4-2-3 run. Run? 4-2-3-1. Playing, still playing nice, attractive football. Progressive and passionate. um, The things which Lambert tried to do at the start. But that would be his blueprint. I look at Danny Cowley. 4-2-3-1. Organised. All about team spirit and the energy around the place. Um, I've watched videos on their tactical stuff and whatnot. They are wise heads. Uh, they get a bit of grief for the Huddersfield thing, but they were chucked into a German mess, in my opinion, had to clear out all of that and did very well to keep Huddersfield afloat. Just as Mick did when he came in here, when we were bottom of the league, you had to tighten up and try and get out of that shit. And like Lambert, and David has said this previously, Lambert had the exact same amount of time as Mick. Um, Lee Johnson... I mean, I'd say just go and look at his tactical videos of when they beat Man United. They played with two false nines. That was perfectly engineered and prepared for that game, to win that game. Um, a, a lot of the fans, uh, is a bit like Marmite, but he has his key principles of playing and then works around that and mainly brings you through. Um, so there's three candidates in the wings there who I'd be confident that every single one of them get us up. Now, if Lambert was two years into this and we were in a championship, 15th, 16th, no money, I could kind of sort of defend him in a way that I'm enjoying the football we're watching. But I'm not. Yeah, we're keeping the ball better, but it's not progressive. Um, You're not taking teams apart at all. The stuff that he says, look, we've said it a million times, it's just bollocks about the amazing, wonderful football. So... With the gap getting so big between the top two divisions and lead one, it is so important we get up this season. Players' contracts are going to be out. Uh, a lot of players are going to leave the club. A lot of them senior players probably need to do so. Um, and that you can't... OK, you can lay 90% of the blame at Lambert's door because when the ball gets towards the opposition bots, it's then up to that player to do the magic, to put the ball in, to put the ball in the right area. So then that is down to the player. But we're not even getting in those positions. We're just not. There might be a couple of chances a game which do go in there. But he's relied on quality this whole season to get us where we are with Bishop's 25-yarders, with Dezel's eye-through-the-needle passes, with Guillaume's wizardry. They're all injured. He's now absolutely nothing, and it's showing. Um, so that is... That's me done on that. Um, I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so what we're gonna, how we're gonna work this? Because um, you pretty much covered most of it. But I want to get all of your guys' sort of your take on the the system and the formation we play. And with the players available, um, what would be your ideal formation and um, just the way we would you would attack? Um, games really with you know substitution and stuff. So um, I'm going to go over to to Matt next. Um, of course, just like David, um, good very much football manager um, friendly people. So um, 
what do you normally go with when you're um in charge of Itch's town? <laughs> Great question. Um you need to have a plan A, B, C and D, depending on who's available, who's out, who's suspended. Um, you know, you look at our if we were to have a completely injury-free and suspension-free team, this 4-3-3 would probably work. Um, at the moment, however, it's plain to see it's not. So why not juggle it about? And like we've touched on before, um, Mr Lambert's mysterious comments about, well, we're not good enough to play a 4-4-2. Why not? You know, we've got four or five almost fit, almost competent strikers Love the way Norwood's coming back, and we need that sort of shithousery, as, as, as some people have uh, have termed it. Um, if a four-three-three isn't working, bring off one of the strikers. Actually, play Judge where he's actually good, and I and I think in there, in the shell somewhere, is 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 a decent football player. Um, four-four-two diamond. If the, if the game needs stretching, and we've got width, and the opposition team, I mean, teams with decent wingers that are fast. Must love playing against Chambers and Ward. They're two decent players, but they're 35. You know, we're going to be asking those two to play their third game in a week this weekend. Do we have another competent right back in the squad? I don't really think so. Do we have another competent left back in the squad? I don't really think so. So where does that leave us? Would we change it up to a 3-5-2, um, for example? But then again, Mr Lambert doesn't want to play two up front. Um we could play a 4-3-3, but have three strikers up front. You know, the quality of the opposition in this division is 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 very, very bad. Um, it's, it's, I'd say, more of a drop from the championship than the championship is from the Premier League, for example. And our strikers, I think at the beginning of the season, we were talking about how, how, how decent our midfield is and how much... And we've got, you know, midfielders in abundance. Well, we're kind of, we're down to like our seventh and eighth choice now. Um, and and teams are going to be scared of our decent strikers. Stick Jackson up there, stick Norwood up there. Hawkins, yeah, he might not be able to finish, but he creates space for other people like Jackson, like Norwood, to be able to get in there and, 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 and put the ball in the net. Um, I've said with possession, if we keep the ball then the opposition can't hurt us. But we need to be able to do something with the ball. You know, frustratingly, last season when we lost against Fleetwood, when we just, I think their centre-half, who's about nine foot four, Sutar, we just kept on bugging it up to him and he kept on heading it back. We try it again and we try it again and we try it again. Why isn't Mr Lambert thinking... Hang on, boys, this isn't work. Let's keep it on the floor because technically we've got some decent players, but I don't know, we could we could talk about this for four hours. We could come up with some great tactical um, solutions, but we know full well that it ain't ever going to happen. And people talk about Culverhouse. He's managing Kings Lynn. If, I, I really think if he was that astute and that competent, he would be... At a level above, I don't know. Maybe he likes a short commute from wherever he lives um, in Nelson's County. I don't know. But if he's that good, why isn't he somewhere like Crawley or or Swindon or you know or Ipswich Town? You know, I don't. I'm not. Is anybody really that bothered about having people with Norwich connections? 
Because you know what? There was a bit of an outcry, really, wasn't there, when, when um, matey boy Paul Lambert took over. I think we, we soon got over that, even though his record in the championship, which I've just been looking at, was pretty shocking. But let's get back to tactics. I think we have to... We have to Tactics are almost like a living document, aren't they? It's the, the removable feast, as a colleague at work says. And if we ain't got decent wingers, don't play wingers. Judge, not a winger. Sears, not a winger. Your boy, Gwyn Edwards, absolutely fantastic. But how many times has he played in the position where he caught our eye at, at posh? What, a handful of games? A handful of games and he's been stuck at left back. He's been stuck at right back. He's been stuck on the wrong side of the wing where he's not able to utilise his strength, cut in on his stronger foot and actually do something. So I'm really, really concerned that we are about to plummet into the depths of Groundhog Day, which was last year, and just be a load of old shite again. Wow. And I'm going to be able to talk. Especially David. David knows his shizzle. Well... Thank you very much there, Matt. Uh, let's go over to you then, David. And, you know, last season we were moaning about, you know, the formations being changed and different players coming in and out and all that. Um, this season, we've, we've, you know, it's been 4-3-3 all day long. Um, but now it's getting to a point where the system's not working and we need change. Um, so for yourself, your thoughts on the formation? And I know you love your formations, love all the tactics sort of stuff. So, uh, yeah, your thoughts and everything. It's not. I mean, I, I'm not a huge fan of four three three or four three two one. Um, it that's, but I I like to have two strikers. But it's not about that. It's about what you're doing with it. And part of that is, like Matt said, it's about having the right players in the right positions. And what you do, simply having possession is pointless. You know, yeah, okay. If you if you have a hundred percent possession, they haven't scored unless unless you've got Toto, in which case it's no goal. Um, but broadly speaking, possession on its own is what, what, what it doesn't get any any points at the end of the day, does it? You don't, you don't get an extra point because you had more possession. And Matt said about you know Edwards, he was playing at right back last season. He was playing on the right wing. He's playing all over the place. You've now got Chambers, who is out in the right back. Okay, he's, he's done creditably there, surprisingly well, you might argue. But we've got another right back who's never actually let us down. He's made one mistake that I can think of, which led to us conceding. He's not the greatest right back in the world, but we're in League One. Donassian, can you honestly say that he is a liability at right back? People can say that about Kenlock, but not Donassian. Wilson hasn't let us down and he's out of the side. I don't know whether he's had a dispute or something like that. Maybe He's, he's injured, had... though. He's injured. Yeah, he wasn't injured when he was dropped. Yeah, of course. He was dropped. Toto was dropped. Toto comes straight back into the side when Wilford is isolating. Wilson is out um, because no apparent reason. But Wilson hasn't let us down. The same as Donassian hasn't. Edwards doesn't play on the, on the left wing where he's strongest. We to shoehorn Sears in there. We play judge on the right wing, even though we're told his strongest position is as a number 10. How often? I mean, I, I, I'll criticise Judge, and I do. But how often do you actually see Judge playing where he's allegedly strongest? I can't count. No, I, I'm, I'm, it's a handful of games he's played there, isn't it? He's always somewhere else. I and mean, that's not just because he has no positional discipline. He's actually put somewhere else. So 
it's not just about the formation. And I don't want to get into a we should play this formation or that formation. I'm quite happy sticking to a 4-3-3 or a variation on that, as long as you make that formation work. And you need to have, if you're playing that system, you need to have your wide players getting inside and cutting in, which we did to a certain extent early on. If you're playing winger wingers, you need to have two players in the box. You need to have that support in there to get the crosses and pullbacks and things. If you're playing a three, you need to have them cutting inside, which is what Edwards does from the left, cutting in and giving that support, getting the ball in that way. Judge doesn't do it because he can't go past the player on the right. Edwards doesn't do it on the right because he needs to get round the back of somebody. Sears, he's not a winger. Equally, having players in the midfield who are sort of separated out too much like they were against Hull means you can't get any progression of passing. Toto, in the early games of the season, played some gorgeous balls straight on the floor, hard through, bypassing the entirety of the opposition's midfield and put players in. And so it's not the, it's not the tactic that's wrong. I've got no problem with Lambert sticking with the 4-3-3. It's how it's implemented. Putting people in the wrong positions is never going to help that. But equally, you've got to say the purpose of the, any tactic is to score more goals than the opposition. It's not possession. And Lambert seems to have reached a position where having the ball is the reason for playing the football. And you can have 80% of the possession and none of the chances, none of the goals. And I'd rather see us have less possession, but have it in a more dangerous position, have players in the right place willing to take, take something on and make a mistake because you know that the players behind you are going to be in the right place because they understand the system. They're going to work hard to get the ball back. We don't press. We don't close down. We're too open at the back. And it's not the tactics. It's the coaching behind that, which is stimming our development in some way, shape or form. We come back again to Lambert. Yeah, you can't change a game. We should have brought two strikers on um, in the whole game to put them under some pressure, try and rattle them when it was 2-0. But it's about the implementation of that tactic. And Brad talked about it as well. He's, you know, you, you can vary that. You can push somebody forward. You can have two central midfielders next to each other. When you've got the players we had against Hull, if you'd have played Hughes and McGavin next to each other and put Judge slightly more advanced, you'd have had a much more dangerous thing, especially if you nailed Judge to the floor and stopped him going to left back. Um, so it comes back again. It's not tactics. It's implementation of them. It's coaching of them. It's motivation of them. It comes back to the same problem time and time and time again. It's Lambert's inability to change a game, his substitutions last season, his willful um, tactical bingo. And this season, instead of being it's not tactics, it's personnel, which is well, last season. Now it's possession, 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 and that's not the thing. It's getting the ball into the box, having other players, not just um, Norwood in there. Two or three times in the whole game, Norwood was the only player in the box. So he'd got the ball in a nice position. There was nobody coming in on the far post or anything like that to get that goal. Lancaster got the winner against um, Shrewsbury because he was following up on that far post. If you don't do that, you don't get those scraps. And that's what we're doing wrong. It's not directly tactics, it's implementation of a tactic. Very well said. Uh, I'm going to go over to John. And, um, you know, we are football fans, but we're not stupid. We know, you know, we're not 
professional coaches and all that. We're not professional footballers. I don't think none of us got to that level, unfortunately. Um, you know, we all peaked probably at 16 and all that. Um, but you know, your take on the formation stuff and you know what what would be your go-to formation in this team and yeah, everything. I think Brad covered so much of like Lambert's tactics there as mm-hmm. a really good kind of summary. I I like lots of different styles of football and I'm not a tactical genius. You know, you look at Liverpool's 4-3-3 and they're a joy to watch at times. You look at Man City can change their formation. They can play three at the back. They can play four at the back. There's flexibility. It's what they do with the ball and how they set up against a different team. So I'm not a tactical genius. I I, I, I would like... I, I still like 5-3-2 or 3-5-2 um, wing-backs. I think it can be effective, um, but I know that's not a popular uh, uh, choice. Um, by I can see by everybody's look of disgust <laughs> for starters. Still got but, scars from last season. Carry on. Yeah, but again, if it's done well, um, I think what it comes down to, a little bit like David was talking about really, is, um, well, one, I'm not, a, I'm not a tactical genius. I don't claim to be. But... I'm not paid to be. And I watched on Tuesday night, Matt Gill, Stuart Taylor and Paul Lambert standing there like, I don't know, something like a comic strip gone wrong. Um, dumb and dumber and dumberest um, standing there looking at iPads and a notepad going, oh, oh, what should we do? What should we do? I know, we'll go 4-3-3. Three, three. Brilliant. Well done, lads. It took you 20 minutes to make the decision to stick exactly like we were. That's the problem. There's no, he's gone too rigid. He's not good enough at that. Um, just, it was awful. Um, you know, I just don't like the fact that he, he's so stuck in his ways. We've all said on this pod before, Edwards, when he's fit, I know he wasn't fit on Tuesday, and that's a massive blow because he's been probably the standout player. Play him on the left. Only an idiot wouldn't play him on the left. We've said that week in, week out. We still haven't seen somebody with Jackson's pace being given the right-hand side wide role. And we talked about that he might not be quite out wide right, but he would certainly be in line with the eight-yard box. If we're going to play 4-3-3, mix it around. Norwood could put his shithousery in action in lots of different places. You know, basically, he needs a plan. And I don't care what the plan is. And he needs a second plan because it needs to be effective. The biggest thing I think is we've lost those the partnerships, the, the pairs or trios of close working. On Tuesday night, we talked about it earlier on, but Hughes, um, McGavin and uh, um, George were so far apart, there was no partnerships. And whatever partnerships, what any, sorry, whatever formation you play, it needs different partnerships um, to work really, really well. Um I've just got a feeling that no matter what what formation he was to change to, he's not going to get the best out of the players we've got. You know, when Crew played us, they looked more confident and better coached in their formation than we did. And I would say half the teams would play this season because they play their system or are better coached are doing better than we are even though I still think we've got better players than a lot of the teams we've played. So just get the best out of the players and play the formation to the players that, who are available. That's all I've got to say. 
Well, that is the elephant in the room, and that is the next uh, topic. Um, so some more thrilling um, stuff to talk about. But um, this is, as I said, our little group uh, therapy session um, for us to take it all out of us, our system, and also for you guys to listen. Um, so I've decided that I want all of you guys to bring your own statements to um, your thoughts on Paul Lambert. So um, I'm going to go to you one by one and um, your statement to um, and your current take on Paul Lambert. I'm sure many of you are very much get out of my club. Um, so let's go over to John first and uh, give me your statement on your current feelings on Paul Lambert. OK, I'm going to start with the positives. He's tried to unite us. Uh, you no doubt tried hard because I don't believe any professional gets up in the morning and, and says, I'm going to not try today. Um, I'm sure him and his staff are working as hard as they can. Um, he played in Germany um, and he's bought a few pints. I think, I think that's the, the, I'm stretching it to try to think of the more positives. Um, the negatives I've just listed, he took us down, so ultimately failed. Now, we all gave him a pass for that. I've said before, I feel a bit embarrassed looking back that I was one of the players, one of the players, I wish I bloody was, um, one of the fans who clapped the players um, because I saw some spirit, I saw something. It was more attractive than it had been for a while. Then he failed again last year in League One. Um, we wanted hope. We wanted to hope and believe that he was going to do it. I'll always get behind the manager. And want the best for him, um, the best from him, um, and best for our club. But let's look at the Jimmy Walker comment. This is an average league, and at the moment, using my um, rough maths, we'll be ninth. Um, we're two years in. This is a project, and it's getting worse rather than better. What goes on with his press relationships and his comments to the press in this time when we can't be in the ground and see the football for ourselves? Um, in person, he needs to engage with fans even more and actually he's making an arse of himself with some of his silly comments um, bizarre comments he puts down young players he's had a bit of a go at downs after the transfer speculation he's alienated Dobra by uh, we'll, see, we'll see how that works out he's, he slates Wolfington he's dissed McGavin there was the photo gates scandal in the summer there's five negatives about young players that I can think of he but yet he never um calls out or criticizes a senior pro so it doesn't balance as we've talked about in a lot of depth so i won't go into it his plan a isn't particularly good at the moment it's been found out and he's got no plan b he's stubborn and i do believe that there are better coach teams than our team are now and if you had a better coach, either alongside you, if you, if that's not your forte as a manager, you surround yourself by people who can coach. You know, and listening to some of your podcasts, Ross, with players, um, ex-players, they'll all tell you that sometimes. You know, Joe Royal was on the on, on the training ground, whereas other players weren't. You know, sorry, other managers weren't. You can you can mix it up in different ways. So if he isn't the coach, why hasn't he got better coaches alongside him? I am really fed up with him. I don't think we're going forward. I think we're going backwards now. Um, if we want to get anything from this season, I think it's time for um, Marcus Evans to make a decision. Obviously, I don't think, I don't necessarily think that 
that's going to happen. Um, when I saw Brian Klug um, appear on my Twitter feed earlier on this evening, I thought, <gasps> is he in temporary <laughs> charge? Um, but it was interesting. He said, there's many ways to play football. Well, that's contradictory to what Paul Lambert's saying, because he's saying it has to be 4-3-3, 4-3-3, 4-3-3. So maybe that's the start of the club distancing themselves from um, Lambert. But I would honestly say right now, Thanks very much for your efforts, Paul. Thanks for buying us a few pints. Um, really appreciate you've tried hard, um, but we're going to relieve you of your duties now. Um, you're nay normal. See you later, Tra. Okay, well, um, of course, um, last night, uh, Wednesday night, um, the Blue Action uh, group went to the training ground and brought up a, a banner, you know, saying it said Lambert with that, you know, took out and Shambert. Thanks for the beers, but um, it's time at the bar. Um, I want to go over to Thomas and David. I'm going to go over to you first, Thomas. But you two, I know, have been very much get out of my club, Lambert, for a while now. Um, I'm sure, I think Liam has been like that as well. He's not the man to take us forward. So, Thomas, uh, your statement on Paul Lambert. Uh, yeah, it was commentary away last season where I first started seeing the fact that he should be in PR instead of a manager. Um, he's a complete fraud. Um, we've had no progress whatsoever in two years. We can't beat any of the top teams in the third division. Um, it's time for him to go back to eating haggis in Scotland or a bat burst in, in Germany. So, yeah, that's that. OK, um, David? <laughs> uh, but it's last autumn that I lost patience with him. Um, I, like John was saying, I wanted to believe that he was creating something. Um, give us hope. And I, and you know you get you that whole thing where you go back go down and you regroup and you come back as Sheffield United. That's not happened. I think we're worse this year than we were last. I think we've just beaten Crew. We've just beaten Shrewsbury. I think that we're regressing. I don't think the squad's as good. If you look at what Michael Appleton's done at Lincoln in a year to transform the way that is his recruitment, it's organised. He knows where he's going. We've got a side which is broadly the same as came down barring the loan players it's not a development you're not seeing things go through his treatment of the um young players is shocking he isn't motivating people he isn't winning games he's not and and you know what we said about this time when we're not in the ground he's this great pr person and yet now he decides to go back inside his shell. Now is the time he needs to bring people in. At the end of all this, when more than five people are allowed into the ground, then we're going to need something to pull people in because people will have got out of the habit of going to the game. It'll be very, very easy for people to say, well, I've had six months I haven't gone to the football and frankly, I haven't missed it. And you need that whole club to be pulling in the direction of saying, we've got to excite people who can't see that football. If you go to the football and you lose and you have a crap game, you go to the pub, you have a good moment and you're back there the next week. If you've had all of that time off, you go, "Mm, yeah, well, I'm, I'm doing something else instead. And what the club are doing at the moment and what Lambert's doing in his deluded comments about, you know, we're playing fantastic football, McGavin's a waste of space, all of those things. That's just alienating. It's pushing people further and further away. And that's not helpful for the future of the club. And I worry that if Lambert stays next year, then we'll be even further down 
that slope. Frizzell's contract's up at the end of the season, which concerns me. We, I don't think we've offered him one at the moment. If I was Dobra, I wouldn't be looking to hang around. Um, you know, it seems to me he's being punished, I think, and it's been alluded to before. He had that reputation at Villa that he would punish people. You think about the way in which he talked about Jordan Graham, the way in which he's dealt with uh, Danassi. And, you know, he's a, he's a centre-half. He's not a right-back. Oh, well, he's a right-back, but I'm not going to play him um, ever. I, I think that he's got a, a mean streak inside him, but it's it's a counterproductive one. It's not one which is unmaking a positive decision. And I think that he he did well at the start in terms of uniting us and giving us hope. He hasn't followed through on that, and he needs to go. If you were a decent man, and not as in, you know, but if, if you if you were an honourable person, you'd look at where you were going. And you'd say, I, I'm, not, I'm not doing this. You know, it, it's not working. I'm walking. If he's honest with himself, can he see progression? Whenever I've been in a job, I've been able to look at what I'm doing in one, one lesson, say, when I was teaching, and say, that was, a, that was a poor lesson, but I know how to improve it. And I know that after 15 years of teaching, I was a better teacher than I was after 10 years of teaching because I'd learned from it. And when I had an observation, when I talked to people, I learned each time and I accepted criticism and I moved on with it. I don't think that Lambert's in a position where if he had a review or an observation, he could honestly say, I am the person who's going to be able to take this to a step forward because I've improved on last year or the year before or the year before that. It's why I think he's got to go and it needs to be sooner rather than later. If he goes now with the squad we've got, we can go up. With the right manager, that's what really frustrates me: is the fact that our squad is good enough. It's the management that's not, and he needs to go. Okay. Well, without a single swear word, can I yes. point out? I've just talked about Lambert without swearing once. Already, as wait, no, no, he's not going to go and say anything. <laughs> okay. Um, well, Liam, um, of course, we found out that two thousand fans will be going to the Pompey game, and. You know, he's been very lucky that he's had no fans this season. I'm sure, as we said before, the whole City game, there have been many boos. Boos? <laughs> can't say boos. Um, but yeah, your statement and, you know, he's, he's just not the man to go forward for you, is he? Uh, nope. Um, didn't have to think about that. <laughs> uh, but basically, we, we all, I think, agreed that COVID um, saved his job that had had the season played to a finish, he probably would have been gone in the season. The fact that COVID came about, which has obviously put an impact on Evans's business as well, he, Evans has probably given him the benefit of the doubt and gone, OK, we'll, we'll reset and next season has to be. And we saw in the summer, we saw things about that, yes, this season has to be better, but that we're not just going to let, let last season slide. His mark, his card has been marked, um, and that he has to he has to produce this year. And it's going down again. It's going down the pan again. It's it's it, it, it doesn't need to take a rocket scientist to see where Ipswich Town are going. And frankly, he's he's tactically inept. Um, He's his man management is 
questionable, um, absurd at times. Um, his whole demeanor of, of trying to make us make us think that we're playing better. I mean, David mentioned this on the podcast a, a little bit uh, a while ago about you get a different per- uh, perspective when you're watching the game on a on a screen than actually being in the stadium. You can actually see more of what's going on, whereas when you're in the stadium, you 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 kind of just more bothered about who's got the ball and trying to get the ball forward and scoring. Um, and that isn't playing into Lambert's hands because we can all see that it's not good and it's slow and there's nothing being changed. So absolutely not the man to go forward. Um, and I have to say, 2,000 fans coming back in, well, he's not going to get an easy ride. And the fact is now that if that 2,000 fans coming in I mean, I've seen some of these things where they're talking about you're not allowed to sing or chant or anything in the stadium. At the end of the day, it's going to be very difficult for a lot of people not to get angry and shout abusive stuff. And the fact that there's only 2,000 fans in, Lambert will hear it. And I think um, I think as, as time goes on, it's just going to get more and more untenable. But like what uh, John said, um, I, I don't think Evans will bite the bullet. And by the time he does, um, we're, we're going to be um, up shit's creek without a paddle. So um, uh, definitely not for me. Um, thanks for coming in and trying to put the club back together. But he's undoing all his work by staying um, and trying to pull the rug uh, all over our eyes with this football that is is pathetic well i'm sure there'll be some more banners that will be made and um more vocal on social media and everything like that um i want to go over to to matt first before i go over to you brad and that conversation but um i don't think i've heard much about um your take on lambert matt so it'd be good to to hear where you are at at the moment and uh, your statement on him right i'm going to try and keep it as brief as i can um, wasn't a fan of him before. Um, was very, very quickly won over by him uniting the fan base, which I don't think we had for a while. Um, was very wary of that he was kind of a bit of a spent force. Hadn't really done much since his days with our um, cousins to the north. Um, but really. We have gone backwards. A few of us have said it now. There is no plan B. Um, as a massive Star Wars fan, I'm a huge advocate of hope, <laughs> of humility, of giving people a chance, of being fair, of rewarding people that try. It just ain't happening. So to steal something from the people that run our country, my statement on Lambert is. Hands, face, space. Brilliant. Um, Brad, can you top that? But um, yeah, your your statement and your current feelings on um, Paul Lambert. And, you know, I, or all of us didn't know you before doing this podcast. So I never, you know, knew your feelings on him when he first came into the club. But I'm sure like a lot of us were sort of wary of it because of his connection with Norwich. But yeah, how are you feeling in your statement? Um. 
So, his connections with Norwich never actually bothered me. Um, I know that sounds funny, but he came into the club and he was singing all the right um, hymns off a hymn sheet. He was meeting the ex-players, almost like he was wowed by the greats of um, the 70s and 80s. He was really buying into it, getting all the fans on side. Um, I always judge a manager by a manager. By I wasn't worried about what he'd done at Nor. I, I know, I, I know that is obviously why he's got the job because of his previous. But um, his Norwich connections never never really bothered me. But um, as a statement, I'd say that it's just time to go. Um, you look at last year's top six: Coventry um, organised four three. No, three three four two one. The bots formation, just organised. Rotherham four two three one organised. Uh, Wickham direct four four two four 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 two three one organised. Um, you go down Portsmouth organised four two three one. Oxford four three three organised playing ice football. Um, I can't remember the SIP team. Sorry. Um, so you look at that, and that's all you really need to be to be up there in this league. It's just adequate and organised and have something about you. Um, we've got something about us, but we're just not, we're not well, we've, we're just not organised and we're not where, where we should be. Um, so I've, I've already gone through this tactical, um, well, lack of tactics. John was absolutely right, spot on about the young players, with that being one of Evan's main um, points in his five-point plan is to bring through youngsters. Um, you couldn't get somebody further away from that right now with Lambert, how he's being towards them, saying to McGavin, well, he's all we've got. That's absolutely disgusting. What a, what a way to motivate a youngster. Um, he's all we've got. Just had to chuck him in. <laughs> and, and like I say, there's better managers out there. In the past, when we've, when we've gone and sacked the manager, we've scratched our heads and thought, who do we bring in? Who's going to do better? Than, who's going to keep us up? Um, at the time, what was there? Probably Warnock, mate. I don't know if Warnock was available, but there was Lambert, certainly, obviously. Uh, there wasn't that many names standing out. This time, I've already mentioned them, there is three managers I would get in right now in a heartbeat. Can't have all three, unfortunately. Um, but the time, time to act is now, because I just feel like it's going to be too late, eventually. And once um, we start slipping down the table... Um, once his injuries excuse um, wears off, then it'll be too late, and we'll be ninth or tenth come around February time, and the gap will be too big, and a new man probably won't be able to do anything in that time. So I just think it's just it's so important that we get get up this season, and um, he's not the man. Well, here we go then. Statements from everybody. Um, of course, we're playing this Saturday, um, if anyone didn't know that already. Uh, Cholton uh, come to Porton Road, the third of the three home games on the trot. Uh, let me just quickly get up their position. They're sixth in the league. Um, they, they had a freak result on Tuesday night. They lost 4-2 against Burton. I'm going to give it over to Thomas because he's got the viewpoints of uh, the from a Cholton fan and uh, their season so far and how they sort of set up. And uh, what I'll do is I'll go... To all of you, your predictions for the game because we've already spoken so much um, so far. Uh, so I just want your predictions. But Thomas, take it away. Um, your well viewpoints. Well, I, in the end, I because I wasn't sure if uh, the person who I work with, I wasn't sure if he was going to get back to me or not because uh, he's been busy. And so I uh, slid into a few DMs and I got quite a few uh, in modern terms and got a few um, 
messages back. So actually, I've got a little bit to say on Charlton, to be honest. Um, before I actually found anyone to message, um, I had a little look on their timeline, and judging by some of their tweets, they see it, which is a tough test on Saturday. And when I saw that, I kind of thought, ha, huh, <laughs> you don't know what you're getting. You know, it's definitely not going to be tough. But, um, and apparently, if, if we trouble their defence, uh, they will struggle. Um, so, but after speaking to um, who I've spoken to, and I want to say thanks to um, Connor, Ben, George and Paul for all getting back to me on this. Um, but it does sound like they are a bit, they are a bit um, struck at the back. Um, um, so I'll get back to that in a second. But um, in terms of formation, it's likely to be a wing-backs pushing forward um, with a diamond midfield and two up top. Um, so obviously that can change, but at the moment that's what they reckon they'll probably play. Obviously as well, their manager is Lee Boyer. It's someone who we remember for um, the scrap we had with Dyer at Newcastle. <laughs> also the goal at West Ham and also for being too old in an ageing midfield under Paul Jewell. So we haven't got too too many fond memories of the lad, but for, for Charlton, um, he's a complete legend there. Um, he's had a lot of lot, lot of opportunities to move on when times have got incredibly tough and with no money, uh, no support, and the club almost going under. And but he was the only constant they had. Um, he's always stood by the club and shows that a lot, with a lot of passion, which is something that we we could really do with. Um, fans absolutely love him, and as and like they, they like they say that he could just do no wrong at the moment. Um, Obviously, the, the owner is saying the right things too. And with the next player as their manager, they finally have stability um, to back onto. So looking good in terms of fan support at the moment. Um, a lot of good things are being said. The season so far, obviously, they brought in a, new, a few new faces, but um, they had sheer, sheer restrictions because of their ownership. Um, they started the season well, but that quickly turned miserable. Cave Davies to young players like in their, who are 17, 18. And sort of began to start dropping points, but then Thomas Sandgard took over, and that completely changed. Obviously, brought in twelve new faces, Marcus Madison being one, and um, went on an eight-game win, unbeaten run, six clean shots, six clean sheets in a row. Uh, ben Amos, their goalkeeper, winning player of the month for League One, and, and as they say, we're absolutely rolling in it. But then they've hit some nasty injuries in their back line, um, so they can't even start a centre back before. Well, um, I think they can on Saturday, but. In the last two or three games, I haven't been able to start a centre-back. Um, Ryan Innes and Egging Famuo, I'm not sure if I said that right, who's on loan from Norwich. Um, so, good job he's out. Otherwise, they've got a few views if we'd have been there. <laughs> but uh, they've had to play, on, especially on Tuesday night, they've had to play a centre-mid and a right-back in centre-back. Um, and that's partly why they lost against Burton on Tuesday, because they were just horrendous, horrendous defensively. Um Albie Morgan and their Anike, who scored on Tuesday night, um, has been their super sub, so he's their two bright lights. Um, but if it stays like that in defence, they'll struggle to keep a clean sheet, they believe. And But captain Jason Pears looks likely to be at centre-back after an early season injury, but that's unlikely yet. That's not, not um, certain as yet. And obviously for the rest of the season, um, they see anything outside of the playoffs as unacceptable. Um, they've got some fantastic players, as Andy and Stu alluded to on the pod yesterday, um, and dangerous players within Chuksaneki, who I've already mentioned, and Andrew Shinney, who's a dangerous holder of the ball and can pick up pockets of space. Obviously, also have got Marcus Madison, who has a lot to prove after seeing his career drop in pace. Serious marksman at this level. But um, one of them said that a concern is that they always seem to take teams from the bottom third lightly, and obviously that's what's happened in the past 
few games for them. So, but it's going to be a tough test for them in their in their words. But um, I can't really see us travelling that much if we play like we have been. I mean, they've obviously got problems at the back, and if we can get through them, then you know we perhaps could cause one or two dangerous moments. But I said I'm a bit worried in terms of the way we play. Um, it's not working for us, and they've got a good goalkeeper as well. So we have to be on our best performances up front. But for me, it's going to be another loss. I'm going to, I'll go two one, um, and then hopefully Lambert will be out the door. If not, we'll draw one one against Oxford. Okay then. Wow, I want to go over to Liam. Go to you, mate. Um, how are you feeling going into this? Um, Dazelle is back. I, yeah, he's back from suspension, so he'll be back in the midfield three. You'd think that. Uh, but yeah, your prediction for this game? I, I, I just don't. I just don't think that overnight they're going to improve. Um, that we've had two. That we've had two performances now, which have been flat, really poor and slow as we've we've talked about all night and i can't see that improving in in such a big game i just can't see that improving um i mean um thomas just there talking about they may have weaknesses at the back well i mean in the lead up to the shrewsbury game um the apparently the local press were basically saying that there was absolutely no chance that Shrewsbury were going to get anything out of this game because defensively they were awful. And yet, in that game, we put them under no pressure whatsoever and got away with two... I mean, if we're coming down to it, we got away with an own goal from a semi-decent cross and um, basically a rebound. (laughs) <laughs> a rebound tapping from a goalkeeper parrying it out. That was it. <laughs> we didn't bang down the door. And I just don't think if, if Charlton have got defensive rallies, but we'll do that either. Um, I think we said it all. I, we're too slow. Even with Dizelle back, I don't think it'll make too much of a difference. Um, I, I, I'm going to say, uh, after egg on my face in midweek, when I thought maybe... They might just eke out, even if it was the most boring 1-0, which it was completely nowhere near. I'm going to say 2-0 Charlton, because I think they'll be too good. They have um, a very good side with a lot of good players. Andrew Shinney, um, former Inverness Cali player. So, uh, so um be interesting to watch him. But, um, yeah, they, 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 um, for me, they shouldn't have, their fans shouldn't have anything to fear. They clearly haven't watched Ipswich because if they did, they would probably be sleeping very well on Friday night in their beds. Well, okay then. Um, David, um, well, your prediction for this game. Um, Yeah, last game before um, town fans can... Last game before we lose another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, your prediction, my friend. Uh, when we talked a little while ago about this run of six games, um, I said that Charlton was. I thought we. I thought we'd um, beat Shrewsbury. I thought we'd lose to Hull because I thought that while they were limited, they were organised. I thought we'd lose that one. 
And I thought that Charlton, with all of the decent sides we were playing in this little run, I thought that Charlton were these sort of the ones we were closest to because we're overachieving and Charlton are slightly flattering to see even overachieving as well. Having said that, I'm going for a firm 3-0 win to Charlton because I think we're bollocks. And Charlton have got some firepower and I think that Bowyer is a decent manager and I think Lambert's an idiot. So I'm going 3-0 Charlton. Okay. Well, um, well, John, you're going for 4-1 wins um, for a while. Um, and we did actually win one game 4-1, but I'm, I can imagine that is very much changed. Um, so, yeah, your prediction for this game? I thought we were going to beat Shrewsbury and I thought we were going to beat Hull and then I changed it to a draw. I always saw this as being a, a tricky game. Um, I didn't think we would be coming into this game having played so badly in the last two games. Do I think we're suddenly going to be a better team than we were on Tuesday and a better team than we were on Saturday? My heart says, of course, we can't be that bad. But my head's saying, John, have a word with yourself. You know, what's the proof that it's going to be any better? And that's the, that's the problem as a town fan, isn't it? I, I want to believe, please, I, I really do. I want us to, you know, football's a beautiful game because you never know what's going to happen. And that's why it's exciting. Would we be, um, would it be in the realms of impossibility for us to beat Charlton? No. Haven't got any realistic foundations to believe that we are going to beat them? No. The optimist in me is saying a 2-1 victory, but uh, I think I'm going to go for a 2-0 win to Charlton. 2-0 Charlton. Okay. Um, let me just... Oh, there you are, I'm back. There you are, I'm back. Okay, I'll, I'll cut this bit out. Okay then, so all defeats so far. I want to go over to you, Brad, and then we'll finish off with Matt as uh, we, we began the show with Matt, so why not end it with Matt? So, Brad... Your prediction going into this game and uh, Charlton are a good side. Yeah, they are. Um, I think they'll be feeling, well, they are. They're, they're feeling the same way, which we're probably going into this game. Um, I'm feeling they've had two difficult results. They'll be a bit nervy. Um, they're, they're probably feeling that we've, we've had a couple of difficult, well, they have as well. Um, don't know where I'm going with that. But yeah, basically, after all the negativity in this podcast from myself, we're going to win. Wow. We're going to win because we're going to paper over the cracks once again and this shit show will continue. <laughs> Score. Score prediction then. 1-0. Um, 1-0. Okay. Oh, doing Liam. Yeah, it is. Um, so, Matt, to end the podcast, your prediction for this game, how are you feeling going into it? And are you going to be a bit positive and uh, paper over the cracks a little bit? Yes, basically. Um, two wounded animals facing off former Premier League teams. You look at their team, um, they're a championship team, but they probably look at us and think, cool, blimey, Ipswich. They're a decent team. Um, they've not fulfilled their ambitions so far. Neither have we. We'll both be nervous. It won't be a very good game. Dizelle being back is a massive positive. But then again, the other nine, ten, sorry, forgetting Alan Judge, players have to <laughs> perform. Um, 
I think it will be a draw. I think it will be 1-1. I think we will stutter to the end of the game. All of a sudden, it will be Christmas. It will be New Year. Paul Lambert will still be there and we'll still be saying the same thing. Of course, I want I want us to win. I want us to flip and win 5-0, bring back the good times. We'll all be thinking, Lambert's the man. But then again, who knows? So we'll see. Come on town. Yes, come on town. And wow, whew, that was an epic, I have to say. We have um, pretty much... I wouldn't say wasted our Thursday evening, um, but it's been a good chat with you guys. And um, hopefully everybody who has listened today has enjoyed. Um, I'm sure you probably echo what everyone else has said. Um, but yeah, thank you, John, Brad, Matt, Thomas, David and Liam for joining me for another Game Day Extra Time. And uh, of course, we'll be back next week um, covering the Charlton game and also the Oxford game because it is Saturday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday and all that jazz. But yeah, I've been producer Ross. Um, thank you as ever for listening. And uh, yeah, see you later. From true crime to football, Brexit to Popeville. For more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon. Thank you.